0: All right. Welcome, Mauricio, to the show, brother. Thanks for having me, man. I really, uh, really appreciate it. Well, you know, third time's the charm. You know, on our last video that we did, our last podcast, the audio was fine, so it was a great podcast, but we screwed up on the video. (laughs) So uh, I made sure that we've got the video uh, on, and so if if you like to watch the video, because we're going to try to talk about something complicated. You may need to see our hand gestures. You definitely need to see our pretty faces. So go, head on over to my YouTube channel at Corey Peterson uh, and YouTube, and you'll find uh, this podcast. So, All right, man. So we're going to talk today about uh, something I think more and more people are very curious about because of COVID-19 is protecting your assets. <laughs> that's right. Asset so, protection. And that's something that you you do. A lot of people don't know you do, but that's a, you do a lot of it. And probably, I would say you're probably ramping up more,
1: right? Yeah. So I'm an asset protection attorney. I just haven't been doing it for the general public. I stopped doing it like five or six years ago. But for my syndication clients, I always do. I offer my asset protection review and make sure everything's set up properly and you know all the other <laughs> Assets are, are well protected. But, man, I tell you, the, the two most common themes now with this whole COVID thing are, are number one, people wanting to put together funds, uh, kind of opportunity funds to go out and acquire some stuff, and then asset protection. That's another call beginning. A lot of people wanted me to take a look at their structures, and inevitably they're all wrong, so we try and fix them.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because think about this. It's really, you know, everything's fine, everything's right. And that seems to be how everything is until something goes wrong wrong okay. and right now um anybody that you know listen the whole world the whole country is hurting um everybody's feeling it, it, it up to the lenders everybody but it's going to be like s- some people are going to fare out a little bit better than others if it does go bad and those are the ones that have pre-sheltered their assets in the right way so how, let's talk a little bit more like what does that mean what is what does asset protection really mean where do we start with it
1: Look, it basically means that you are trying to – there's really two – let's do this one. That's hard to do without a diagram, so let's try and articulate this properly. So, Russia
0: doesn't have a whiteboard right I, now. i am in
1: my flip chart, which is challenging. But look, when you talk asset protection, there's two different specific things or different angles that you need to look at, and they're completely different. Most people think of one and forget the other. But asset protection means protecting you from your assets and also protecting your assets from you. And those are two complete things because most people think of, you know, let's say real estate and they they have an asset and they want to make sure that if something happens, you know, there's a slip and fall or a fire or something horrible, they want to make sure they that they, you know, they can't get to their personal assets. So they're trying to protect themselves from the asset. What most people forget is they themselves are these huge liability producing entities, people you're out and about all the time and you're creating liability. You're in a car, you can get in a car accident, you're engaging in business. You're a, a big liability concern. And so the other angle is what happens if you get sued? Forget about the assets, but you get sued and now somebody wants to has a judgment against you and wants to go. Oh yeah. Your they asset. look at and you and say, Oh, he's got money. That's right. That's right. And it's and, and as you know, Corey, you know, it's not a question, unfortunately, it's not a question of if you're gonna get sued at some point, it's when. And I you know there's so many statistics, especially if you're a business owner, I think like one in four business owners get sued and most of they're frivolous. And yes, you should have insurance. Insurance is always your first line of defense, but man, when times are tough, that's a lot of times when people come out of the woodwork and you see the worst in everybody. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Everybody. Like, yeah, I totally agree. So how do you, what's the correct way to structure? Let's, let's, Let's use the property analogy. And, you know, how do you like to structure people that are doing syndications and real estate? Like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, so I always like to draw a line. I mean, the goal of asset protection is to build that barrier between you, the individual, and you, your assets, right? And so the way we typically, let's take real estate, because there's all kinds of assets, right? Business, you know, stocks, you know, precious metals, whatever. But real estate, that's what we primarily love. So if you're trying to protect you from your property, meaning you're afraid that somebody slips and falls, or the boiler explodes, or there's a fire or something horrible happens. Remember under US law, the owner of the property is legally responsible no matter what. If somebody slips and falls on your property, you can't say, oh, I didn't know, or, you know, it wasn't my fault. Like you are basically strictly liable for that. So the key is to make sure you don't own the property. It's that simple. So what we typically do is we put that property inside an entity, right? So that the owner of the property is no longer you individually, the owner is an entity. And for a variety of reasons, the most popular entity that real estate uh, investors specifically use is the LLC, the limited liability company. And what that does is exactly what it says. It limits your liability. It limits your exposure to what's inside that LLC, which is what your property. So equity in your property is fair game, And then anything else it owns, which most likely might be a bank account with some cash in it. And that's probably it. Equity in your home and cash in the bank. That's what it protects you. So if somebody slips and falls, who's responsible? The LLC, great, I have a judgment against the LLC. Now I have to go part two, which is I've got to collect on that judgment. And I say, okay, well, what does the LLC own? I want to go after its asset. And you say, well, it obviously owns a house. So help yourself with the equity if there is any. And it's got a couple bucks in a bank account, go there. Ideally, you also have an insurance policy within that LLC. But that that's what handles the property being exposed and trying to protect you from your asset. Okay.
0: So if you and, and so if you magnify that and say, okay, you have, we'll call it apartments, right? But you have multiple apartments. And that's where you're saying, okay, so the slip and falls on one apartment that's owned by an LLC, all your other apartments are owned by LLCs, and so hence, they're probably not affected by the slip and fall on one.
1: That's exactly right. And so apartments are easier to think about, but single family homes, some people want to put three, four, five, ten, twenty 10, 20 properties in the same LLC. You just got to realize that if the LLC gets sued because something happened in property number one. Remember, all of the assets inside that LLC are exposed. So now property two, three, four, five through 20 are also exposed. So that's a great point.
0: It's a great the way point to
1: mitigate that. And that's why you see people setting up separate LLCs and putting separate or a series. Properties. Well, series LLCs, series LLCs, a whole podcast, uh, Corey, that we could probably do for an hour on that <laughs> because there's such uh, those are relative new things. But in, in theory, yes. In theory, you could have a series LLC and have a property in each of those series. It supposedly acts the same as, as multiple LLCs, but that's the idea. And so, when you when you're structuring, you start asking questions. Well, how many how many single family homes? If that's your business, how many of those can I put in in one LLC? Because let's face it, from a financial standpoint, if you have 20 rentals, single family homes. Putting them each in their own, they all have costs and you know, setup costs and maintenance costs. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. that's so not
0: always the best bang for the book. Sometimes many you put
1: into an LLC, that's up for debate. That's something that would help I help people with. But an apartment building, I mean if it's a hundred unit apartment building, and certainly if you're syndicating it, because if you're syndicating it, that means the LLC itself has multiple owners and they're gonna be different owners from different properties. So just from a regulatory standpoint, you're gonna to want to have a separate LLC. But if If you were a big wig and you own three apartment complexes, you would be smart to have each of those apartment buildings in their own LLCs so that you no longer own them. They're owned by an LLC and the LLC is responsible, not you.
0: Okay. Now, where where do you like to register? And does it matter where you register an
1: LLC? It does matter, but that's where the analysis of which angle we're looking at comes into play. So in, in the scenario we just talked about, we're talking about, again, protecting you from your asset so you're going to create the llc put the property we typically create those in the where in the location where the property is located because i don't care where you set it up if your property is in texas and somebody slips and falls in your property texas law is going to govern i don't care if you set it up in delaware or nevada and then registered it back at the end of the day local law is going to apply so there's no real benefit in my opinion to setting it up. Maybe a privacy argument could be made, but setting it up in a different state, you still would have to register it back in that particular state. And so you kind of lose whatever benefits are. So from a protecting yourself from your assets, it's going to be where the property is located. Let's look at the flip side. The other, which in my mind is more important. and, And let's say, how do you protect your assets from you? What happens if somebody sues Corey personally and gets a judgment against Corey? Well, If you just have an LLC, then great. You don't own the property, but you own an LLC, right? Or you own a corporation, so you own the shares of the corporation. So if I have a judgment against Corey, why can't I just go to the judge and say, hey, judge, Corey owns 100% of this LLC. Give me the shares of that company or give me the membership units in that LLC because it's valuable and I would get them the shares, and then i control the LLC, and if I wanted to sell the property, I can sell the property. That's why charging order is the key term you want to look at and research and, and find out. But charging order protection is what you're looking for. You're looking for a state where the judge is not going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, Corey owns this company. Here are the shares of the company. They're yours because he owes you a bunch of money, and we're going to give you the shares of the judgment. They're going to say something different. They're going to say I know you want the corporation. I know you want to liquidate the assets, but I'm not going to give it to you. What I'm going to limit you to, what I'm going to give you is a charging order, which only allows you to receive whatever monies Corey was going to receive, will divert those and give them to you because he owes you money. So if the corporation was going to pay you a dividend or an LLC was going to give you a payment of $100, well, that payment will now go to the creditor, but they will not gain control of your entity and they will not gain ownership of your entity. They simply have a charging order. Which is not the ideal thing for a creditor. That's not what they're looking for. They want to have the share of the company. They don't want to have a court order. Right, so
0: they probably uh, want to liquidate it immediately. Yes. Yeah.
1: So that's what, and if that that's where you want to be in a really good asset protection state that recognizes not only recognizes charging order but limits you to only a charging order, where the exclusive remedy is a charging order. You want to be in one of those states to make sure that if somebody goes to a judge and asks for the company. The judge will say, "Not so fast, my friend. You can't get the company. I'm just going to give you a charge order." So, what's t- what, and what states
0: typically do that?
1: About half of them actually have charging water protection as the exclusive remedy. The states that I like the most, there's three of them, and the reason I like these three is because most of us are, you know, closed companies. It's it's, it's Corey. You, you own a business. I own a business. The client owns a business. So they te- typically have their own LLC, and it's just them. What's yeah. what's called a single member. Most of you out there will ultimately have a single member LLC, or maybe if you have a spouse, it'll be a husband and wife LLC, but essentially it's a single member. And in a single member scenario, the charging order isn't as strong. It's a long story, but just trust me when I say that the reason we have charging orders doesn't make sense when it's a single member. And so there's only three states that have gone out and amended, changed their rules, their statutes to extend that protection to single member LLCs. And those states are Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware, which is why you see and hear about those three states. And anytime I create an LLC where my client's the sole member or, or along with their spouse is the sole member, then I like to set uh, set those up in one of those three states. My personal favorite is Wyoming, but I wouldn't criticize anybody if they said they wanted to set it up in Nevada. or, right. Del- And certainly if they live in one of well, those states.
0: Well, so Nevada. like think about, and I'll just know this, like Wyoming is, elect- they like electronics. Like you can log in, you know, through the computer. Delaware is a little bit more tricky in setting up from their state. They just It's just not as easy per se, I think. So I've I found that Wyoming is a lot easier to register your LLCs and get all that stuff done.
1: One of the things I love and the reason I love Wyoming is that if you're in if you're into privacy at all, which I think you you should think about, uh, you don't want to have a big target on your back. And, and a lot of times that's the first thing a plaintiff's lawyer. By the way, I used to work for a plaintiff's lawyer after I graduated college before I went to law school. But the first thing a plaintiff's lawyer does is does an asset search. Yeah. Right? And so they're going to look for all the stuff they can find because they all work on contingency. Right. So they're only going to get paid if you get paid. So if you end up uh, having a lawyer take a look at it and, and they have a slam dunk case, I'm like, man, uh, this this is a clear cut case, the rear ender, they broke your neck or whatever, but I can't find any assets. Do, do you think the lawyer is going to want to spend the next two to three years of his life or her life getting a judgment for you, going through the whole process of a jury and the whole thing and not know whether he or she can collect on that judgment? I don't think so. And so typically right. they don't find assets. That's when That's when they're, you know, they like to to settle, or if there's an insurance policy, they'll take the limits. So privacy is important. And what I love about Wyoming is that the state of Wyoming itself has no idea who you are. They don't require uh, you naming your, the owners or the managers on the, on the formation documents. They don't require that information on the annual renewals. So if you go on their website looking for this particular company, the owners won't show up, the managers won't show up, you won't show up anywhere, and even if somebody flew to Wyoming and went physically into the office of the secretary of state and asked for, the, I guess, their, their boxes with the files, they wouldn't know who you are. So that's why I love Wyoming. Now, they, they can get it if there's a lawsuit or whatever. The registered agent actually is required to keep that information. But it's really difficult for somebody looking and, and scooping around to find out who owns stuff in Wyoming, which is why it's, I think it's pretty powerful to have at least part of your structure in Wyoming.
0: Right. Now that's, that's actually really good information because, you know, in a digital world, privacy is more important than ever. And listen, I, you know, the thing about targets in your back, you know, I have an education company you know, we're listening, you're listening to my podcast. We talk about what we do a lot. And so I always feel like, man, I've got this huge target on my back, you know, and it just makes me think twice about everything I do. And so asset protection now is becoming more and more, prevalent. Uh, obviously, you're you're my, and just so, you know, if you're new to my podcast, this is the first one you're listening to. Mauricio does more than just asset protection. He is my SEC lawyer uh, when it comes to filing securities um, and creating p- private placement memorandums. So, not only does he do that, he helps set up my LLCs, my operating agreements, really just you know, he really does a, a phenomenal job in setting all that stuff up. I just want to make sure I I, I, I position you correctly, Mauricio. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and I also consider you a really good friend. So we, My you know, the, the, great, the great thing is, I mean, this is what I love about this business. When you do it long enough and you stay consistent and you do what you say you're going to do and you treat people right, friendships and, and long-term friendships happen out of it. That um, and, and we just do good, clean business. And I couldn't think of a better way to do it and then to have people that you know, like, and trust. And then, you know, we talk about, like, you know, what do you do for fun? And you got, you have a couple of kids and, and, you know, and you're going through life and, and um, you know, everybody's at different stages. And it's it's fun to see that growth happen. And I think that's magic, by the way.
1: Now, it's it's awesome, and you know my old my old gig back in the old days, I, I used to be you know a defense attorney, so my world was very com- confrontational with the other side, and it was wasn't very it wasn't a good feeling. Now it's nice because me, like the two of us here, we are aligned, right? We're we're both going in the same direction. We both want to close on this property. We both want you to raise this money, and it's just such a much nicer existence. So it's just a great business to be in when you you can form those relationships and uh, and have that everybody as part of your team.
0: Yeah, amen.
1: So I've got a couple.
0: Uh, we we actually knew that you were coming in, so I surveyed a couple of my students and just seeing if they had any yeah any attorney SEC kind of uh, asset protection questions. And so I'm gonna set up this this next question and like just have you give your opinion on it and 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 from your point of view. So we're talking about corporate structure. So she's like. I have an S-Corp in California that I will do my marketing through, and basically what she's saying is, a, a, we'll call it a management company, right? It's a management company, and it's typically how we structure. She knows, understands how our setup is. Typically, we have a, a property LLC. We'll call it property LLC. It's what creates our PPM. Then we have A shares and B shares. A shares are usually your investor shares. B shares are your controlling shares of the uh, the property LLC, and usually in that document, will in the the B shares will normally elect a manager of like we for us it's Kahuna Management LLC, and so she's saying she's got a management company that is a S corp, and she's saying that she wants to make her B shares. Right, where she gets her money as profits from the investment, a just normal Wyoming LLC, right? And her question's this is there any SEC issues with taking fees in the S-corp, but holding my B shares in a separate LLC?
1: No, that's the way I like to do it. I, I like to separate the B shares where you're sort of you're you're holding your asset, your your 20%, your 15%, whatever, versus the management company, the sponsor, because that, again. This S-Corp that your um, student is talking about, that's where all the liability is, right? If anybody's going to get sued, it should be that S-Corp. And you kind of almost want it to be that company. So you never want to have that company own anything. Because when that company gets sued, again, you don't want it to have any – it has ideally an insurance policy – and you're going to have some cash, obviously. You want to keep, you know, a couple of months or a quarter's worth of, of operational cash in there. But everything else should go into that company and out of that company immediately. And so you would never want to have that company also own the Class B or the LP or the GP or whatever because that's ownership. So now if there's a lawsuit and that corporation gets sued and there's a judgment, well, now it owns 20 percent of this syndication, owns 20 percent of that syndication. And it has all these assets. And and the key is to separate your liability-producing activities, your operating companies from your asset companies, your holding companies. Not to mention they get taxed differently. Like the S-Corp is obviously as, as, as taxed as an S-Corp. It's an S-Corp. And your holding companies are typically partnerships or disregarded. So they have different, you know, S-Corps are for active companies. And if, you're, if your B-shares are not active, then all they're doing there is holding them. So I like that. I don't like S-Corps in general. Although, in fairness to your student, uh, she, as I do, live in California, which is probably the worst asset protection state. And there's just nothing we can do about that. Yeah. In general, corporate, you know, we talked about the charging order protection a few minutes ago. That does not extend to corporations. So if you have a corporation and I sue Corey and, and Corey has a corporation, I can get the shares of that corporation. That's why you don't want that corporation to own anything. The only state that I'm aware of, and I haven't looked at it in probably another year or so, is Nevada. Nevada does extend the charging order protection to corporations. So if I was stuck with an S-Corp for whatever reason, I would probably move it to Nevada. But that's why I like LLCs. They're so flexible. You can actually have an LLC that is taxed as an S-Corp. You can tax an LLC however you want. So why not have an LLC tax it as an S-Corp. But look, in this particular case, just make sure the S-Corp doesn't own anything and doesn't have any assets so that when it does get sued, there's nothing to take.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And that, that, that really is typically, that's the structure that we utilize as well, right? We have Kahuna Management. It's managing, it's actually the one that qualifies for the loan, signs documents, right? But it owns no assets. And so I always say like, that that worst case scenario you've got someone on the third floor of your building they go over the rail right and and now you know someone's suing um of course you want you know the first line of defense is always insurance but what's after that right and then if they're suing kahuna management not you know my investment company that's holding profits from from the deal it's just like a shareholder i feel like that's how we're, we're protectors we're just the lonely shareholders we're not actively making the calls kahuna management even though it's my i'm the one me it's same but the government doesn't see it that way right,
1: right. no i mean the, look the, let's be honest the property llc is going to be brought in as well because they're the owner of the asset so yep. if there's going to be an issue there but again we're talking about scenarios unrelated to the profit. i'm talking about Corey, I'm picking on you, Corey. But Corey backs up on his truck and runs over the little kid. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then, so what do you own? And, and what I want to make sure you're owning uh, is is where the value is. I want to make sure. You're yeah. So the
0: it's, not really, it's not really always know Almost what you're the scenario you're laying down. I get it now. Is it's not so much what's happening at my property. It's what it's happening with Corey. That's right. Corey as he goes and does person. something. Corey's but you But person. hey, that's way more riskier too, right? Because Corey. Right. Corey was going down the road the other day, and I I rear-ended someone' uh, a, a car, man. I, and listen, I wasn't paying attention, and um, someone broke their collarbone. I felt horrible. Yeah, I mean, it was it was you know kind of a bad accident, and uh, and it was my fault. And I had that feeling there for a minute, right? Like, oh gosh, this should get really bad. And um, you know, so it just makes that stuff could make you stay up late at night right. and lose some sleep if you're in a situation. So it really does well to plan way ahead. And sometimes I would say, you know what you know, and then a lot of times you don't know what you don't know. And, it, and there's a lot of more of you don't know what you don't know out there. And so when you don't know things and you have no clue, seek legal advice, seek legal counsel Probably the smartest things i said on this podcast since I've started. <laughs> and
1: don't forget, don't forget, if you wait, until this is a great example, if you wait until you get into the car accident and then you realize, oh, crap, I need to do something, it's too late, right? You've got to take care of things beforehand. I think uh, Rob, I've got a couple favorite quotes. One's from Robert Kiyosaki which says the time to put your seatbelts on is before the accident, right? So putting it on afterwards doesn't matter. And I think John F. Kennedy said something about, like, uh, the time to fix your roof is when it's it's sunny or something like that or when it's not raining. So you want to take care of these things before something happens because once it happens, there are rules that prohibit you from transferring assets and and changing ownership because that'll be basically what's called a fraudulent transfer because you know there's things coming, right? Yeah, so... To do it before the rear end someone.
0: So how did OJ get away with it? Well, he moved to
1: Florida, <laughs> and uh, Florida, as some other states, uh, basically exempt uh, your properties from being attached and your pensions. He's got an NFL pension. Well, actually, I don't think that's a Florida thing. I think pensions are, are really impossible to get to. So he has an NFL pension, and you can't get to the equity in your home in Florida, which is why he lives there.
0: Oh, wow. You know, that's that would, that would be like a good case study, huh? <laughs>
1: I mean, he's got a 30-something million-dollar judgment, but they can't touch his pension. I mean, it's really hard. Even 401Ks, man, it's, it's not that easy to get a 401 IRAs are a little easier, but a 401k is tough to get. And even an IRA, you know, it's probably a percentage of it that you can get. But if you have a pension, and I'm not an expert on that field, so I don't know, I think it extends to sort of teachers' pensions. I don't think there's anything special about an NFL pension. But uh, that's the reason uh, that he can kind of walk around pretty freely and not worry about creditors. Yeah,
0: uh, money, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's crazy. All right. So a second question, on to the same kind of thing: Is there any issues with separating the fee payment to an S corp? So in other words, like the the management company is getting fee, like an asset management fee, yeah, that's right? What I'm yeah. From the B
1: shareholdings. Well, they wouldn't get it from the B shareholdings. No, from the uh, property, from the syndicate, from the yeah. property LLC. Yeah. Yeah. So the the S corp or the manager is providing services to the property LLC, and Yeah. it's managing the asset. Most of the time, you're hiring a prop. The asset manager is hiring a property manager and overseeing that. But that's a service it's providing, and in exchange for that service, it usually gets one and a half, two, two and a half percent asset management fee and that's where it would go yeah uh, it wouldn't go to your class b because your class b is just your passive Passive they don't do profit money. yeah exactly yeah. It. so all of the activity gets paid to uh to the to the asset manager
0: yeah cool that so i think that's some just kind of clearing up the waters there so a couple of, we' got since we're still in covid 19 so we got to ask some questions on on that issue and then, and then we'll wrap it up you know what what do you see is going on in the real estate world right now with 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 this pandemic and what you know what particularly what what, what do you see going on in the activity level well obviously, and where do you see it going
1: yeah I mean, obviously we're just at the beginning so that's the problem it's a little bit of unknown I mean as, as we're recording this we're actually getting unemployment numbers tomorrow uh, but we've already got 26 million people unemployed which Interestingly enough, number one is more unemployed than all the employment we gained over the last 10 years. Uh, And number two, it's about 10 times more unemployed than we had in the Great Recession. We had about two, two and a half million people unemployed. So that's just a massive thing. And the real question that we don't know, which we're going to start finding out pretty soon, is... A vast majority of those are going to get those jobs back, right? Once restaurants start opening back up and once the business starts going up, they're going to get rehired. But all of them, I don't think, are going to get rehired, obviously. So the question is –
0: And I think some people don't want to be rehired.
1: That's right. Some people, at least for now, don't want to get rehired.
0: Yeah, they're like, oh, I'll take six months. uh, Let me me know when my Social Security runs out and then I'll start – I'll start looking but, for a job back the then. issue
1: now is that all these, so because we don't know, you know, the lenders are in a tough spot because the lenders are looking at these properties and they're saying, well, well I don't know what your vacancy is going to be, you know, next mile. These guys, you know, what is the unemployment rate going to be? How are they going to be able to pay rent? What's your economic vacancy going to look like? What is the, What is the value of this property going to look like? They're having, they're just having a hard time, you know. So until that dust settles, we're really kind of in no man's land because we just don't know. And I know that just talking to clients. I feel these, the same way. You you kind of feel like, you know, that the seller should be, you know, reducing the price a little bit, you know, compared to what it would be two or three months ago. But the sellers are going to hold on to those prices as long as they can. They're going to be in denial or they're going to be dreaming that this is going to come back tomorrow. That's
0: why I think it's four months. I think four months, three, four months from now is when more opportunity. And probably when the markets start to, because it really is about lending. So I'm thinking about even for myself, Mauricio, I would like to go buy a property, but I can't because I don't. There's no secure lending in the foreseeable future right now. Like CMBS loans are gone. Uh, yeah, forget
1: it. Right. That's why so bridge to perms are probably gone. It, this it's probably even more. I mean, I always recommend, as you know, we we now have a real estate attorney in house, but you want to make sure you're setting up your contracts now. If you're going to go buy a property right now, the challenge is because the lenders are so sort of in this this murky area. You still have a risk that even though you clear contingencies and you're like heading to close a day before, a week before, the lender can just change their mind. You may have a loan commitment.
0: Think about Freddie. They just said, hey, we now we want one year's of interest that's reserves. right.
1: So what if you suddenly, yeah, they wanted six months and then what if they now want two year two years of reserves or what if the LTV dropping All these things, you want to have some outs in your purchase and sale agreement. Relating to that.
0: You that's almost the, have, right? to, you and, have to, absolutely. And and so listen, so. sellers are going to have to agree, and they will because they just know that's what's that's the environment, right? And
1: you're the best chance. And we always talk about, you know, the leverage and everything's negotiable. You are, at this point anyway, you are the seller's best shot of closing that property. The last thing the seller wants to do, even if they're in theory able to keep your deposit, they don't want to have to re- put that property back in the market and go go six
0: months later yeah
1: days they're much rather have you close it and so so use that if you don't have anything in the contract specifically that gives you wiggle room that's your that's your leverage and just look for a win-win because i've seen some creative things like on these ltvs or reserves i've seen sellers coming in now uh, putting money in an escrow account for six months to help them cover that while they may be maybe able to raise them some more money in the next six months. But the sellers are working with them. They may not come down on price, but they may do a little seller financing or they'll put some money in reserves. I mean, you just gotta get creative. There's just
0: a little flexibility in the market right now. Yeah. And and you know, and who knows where we go. It's either going to get worse or it'll just kind of uh, you know slowly, slowly come back. I don't think prices are gonna nosedive yet. We still got to see what's gonna happen. We're still kind of getting it just depends on how bad the – are, are we going to go back to work? That's the question.
1: That Do we end up with 2 million unemployed, 6 million, 4 million, 10 million? I mean, that's that's the big unknown, and, and we're not going to know that until, you know, the economy kind of reopens, and we'll get an idea of what that Until
0: was. then, we're all uh, suffering from bad haircuts. <laughs> uh, well, oh, you know, haircut hey, haircut. listen, I know somebody, so <laughs> I, I got my ears lowered the other day. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, coming to your house, <laughs> it's all about who, you know, Mauricio, <laughs> well, listen, man. Uh, I want to just thank you again for your time. Uh, guys, if you're out there looking for a good sec attorney, I, I just highly r- recommend Mauricio, you know, that with asset protection. I mean, he kind of does that, you know, for his, uh, uh syndication clients, he really does uh, uh, the whole gambit for you, and it kind of sets it up on a silver platter. And uh, I couldn't recommend him enough. So, Mauricio, if they want to go find you and your company, where do we find you at, brother?
1: Uh, website, premierlawgroup.net. Uh, there's a contact sheet up there, premierlawgroup.net. Or you can just email me at Mauricio at premierlawgroup.net. Uh, and also always on YouTube, man. I'm trying to put as much content as I can, so check that
0: out you do you do produce a lot of content i love your uh, whiteboard and your markers <laughs> I appreciate right because because hey listen you know some it's funny how uh when you go old school i call it old school everybody wants to do a powerpoint nowadays right <laughs> but the truth is sometimes powerpoints are just damn boring and like really i mean honestly and it's nice to have because sometimes people don't know their content and they have to look at their PowerPoint right. to figure out what the hell they're talking about. Okay. Um, but if you've got a, a blank white piece of paper, <laughs> you got to be able to uh, a write. So your writing skills are good or at least good enough. And that's all that matters. <laughs> but again, uh, just, just highly recommend my, my friend Mauricio check him out, you know, leave you with this guys in the game of real estate. There's just, there's so many things to learn and do and to understand and you know the journey is the reward. Becoming a true seasoned operator doesn't happen overnight. Um, you're going to make some mistakes along the way, but it's it's the journey I think that truly is the reward. And as you acquire knowledge and friendships and um, and competence and you get better at your craft, um, it really be- becomes a beautiful thing. But all that starts right in between the two ears. It starts with your mindset. You have to believe it, guys. You have to believe that the journey is is worth, the juice is worth the squeeze. Real estate by far and away is the best thing since sliced bread for me. It's created a lifestyle that I, I love. Um, I get to help people make money on their investments. I get to create wonderful communities. For me, it's a win-win-win. I think you'll find it a win too. But guys, it starts with your vision and your mind. If you believe it, you can achieve it. Your paradise is possible.